Welcome to that 80s show. Hello, it's Paolo and Dory calling, not Falco. Dory, <laughs> if Falco called you, what would you say oh, to him? I'd say, but you're dead. <laughs> Sorry. Too soon? Too soon? Okay, no, okay hang on. No, I'm, no. I'm sure he knows he's dead. I'm sure he knows he's dead. <laughs> okay. Okay. That 80s show, uh, we are ace. We play out live on a Friday. If you're listening on the podcast, we open up with Vienna calling Falco a... Thanks for reminding me, Dory, that he wasn't a one-hit wonder. So definitely a one and a half. Oh no, um, three hit wonder. Because don't Just forget, three. don't forget the commissar. Mm, yes, the commissar. Okay. I'm a I recommend Amadeus Vienna calling. I would I would say three hit wonder. Which okay, does that? I, I mean, that makes you a, a proper singer. I think if you've had yeah. three hits, you're good. Good. Okay, that's fine. I was like listening to that song and I was like, oh, there are so many misheard lyrics in the song until I realized it's not in English. So Exactly. Oh, Dory, I come to you from a very emotional place this week. Very oh, emotional. Yes, and, and mm. more emotion than just um, disdain. Is disdain <laughs> an, an emotion? Uh, <laughs> possibly. Disdain. Possibly. So hmm. I watched the Michael J. Fox documentary. Oh. Still. Yes. Oh, oh, and you word. sent me, you sent me a message saying, I'm watching the Michael J. Fox documentary. And then there were like a hundred crying emojis. Yeah, could have been laughing emojis. Because it's very No, fun. they were definitely crying. Definitely. So uh, mm. Michael J. Fox got a documentary out on Apple TV called Still. It's called a Michael J. Fox movie. And it's about his, you know what? You get this feeling. It's kind of his, I don't want to say swan song, but it could be part of a goodbye to mm. um, public life, right? Well, I mean, I think he's lasted longer than any of us expected him to. Yeah. As, I mean, I hate to say it, but it's a fact. Okay. That's, He's been living with this disease for a long time. Yeah. So it tells a story. So, of course, Michael J. Fox got Parkinson's disease. He found out in his late 20s when it first mm. appeared. And this movie obviously tells a story about it. And there's a lot of, um, you know, one-on-one -on -one interviews with Michael J. Fox. I'm going to give you a spoiler because, listen, mm. you have to be in a specific mood to watch this, right? You cannot be in any kind of fragile emotional state. You have to be in okay. one of those moods where like, mm. you just have to be emotionally strong to deal with seeing this. Yeah. And well, I mean, that's like, did you watch the Robin Williams one? It's, I had to brace myself no. to watch that one as okay. well. In this, yeah, right? It was you, hectic. You gotta be in a space, yeah. Yeah. So it comes straight out the bat. There's not a spoiler alert. This happens in the first two minutes. You mm. see Michael J. Fox, because like, look, we know him, we've seen him and, and we see the conditions mm. sitting, but you see him walking, right? Mm. And he's walking out of his apartment and down the street. And mm. him and his physio personal trainer, he's, he's got this guy who help, helps him. They say that people know you have Parkinson's until they see mm. you walk. Then they go, fuck, you've got Parkinson's. And that, that's, that's how they open the movie. And it, it's so oh, wow. jarring. It's so, because mm. you don't, you go, oh shit, I didn't actually think like when you walk, how difficult it is, you know, and uh, to see him like that, but it's, it's all the emotions, right? Because it's actually, mm. he's actually still so funny. Like you got the, the mind is still 1 million percent there. I mean, he, he is yeah. as sharp as he's ever been. 
as witty as he's ever been, jokes about it all the time, and obviously uses mm. humor as 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 a as a coping mechanism. Um, yeah, but it's so raw because there's parts where he talks about how he was taking medication to now control it, and how he times his medication, and especially when he is still active and, and making movies and TV shows. And you can actually watch when they're interviewing him, how mm. he completely changes when the medication's like worn off. Like they don't cut that, sure. they don't take it. Yeah. You see, you see it and you see him going, it's happening, I need it, I need it, I need it. And you see everything about him instantly on camera just completely turns. Um, it, it's so spooky. Sure. Uh, it's done in this phenomenal way. So yes, it is a documentary, but when he tells his story and he kind of like starts out when he was first a kid in Canada and wants to act, starts moving across, they cut footage, home video footage, footage from his movies and TV shows, and then cut some kind of like setup footage to tell you the story. So you're kind of watching it play out with yeah. real footage. It's, it's phenomenally done. And there's one part where we know we know the story here is on family ties, and then they they wanted him originally for Back to the Future. They shot with Eric Stoltz, and then they bring him in uh, to now replace. Yeah. And now they're behind schedule, so he is on this crazy schedule. He was shooting Family Ties in the day, and then shooting Back to the Future at night. And he was hardly getting. He was sleeping in the car in between, and sure. They, cut it so amazingly where they've got this like prop, like a, 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 a made up, a dramatized scene of when he's shooting back to the future, although they still cut in parts of back to the future and then they'll cut it like into family ties that it kind of puts you back in that space using this footage. You go, wow, it's, it's such, so well done, like really polished. Um, yeah. They also talk about um, his relationship. I mean, his, his wife, who's absolutely is, I mean, one of the lasting Hollywood relationships. They met late 30s. I mean, late 20s. They've been together yeah. since the 80s, I mean, right? Yeah. I mean, we did discuss the other people that he had dated before, yes. but in my mind, they've been together forever and there was no one else ever. No, no one you else know, like ever. That was it. His, his wife's name is Tracy Pollock <laughs> and she met him. Pollen. She wasn't. Fa- po- no, it's Pollock. Pollen? Pollock. Pollen? No, Pollock. Are we gonna you. are we gonna fight about this? <laughs> I'll tell you why, because I remember very clearly, because I was very much in love with Michael J. Fox and I was very much upset when I heard that he was getting married. So Okay. I you know <laughs> I had I had a murder wall. I, okay, I admit it, I had a murder wall. <sighs> so they talk about Dory, is it is it is it Tracy Pollen? You you drive me nuts now. <laughs> I'm driving you nuts. <laughs> Okay, I'm gonna Google. I'm gonna Google. Jeez, I have to to prove it. Michael J. Fox, Tracy Pollen. You're right. Okay, sorry, you are right. So, but anyway, that's not the point of the story. The point of the story was they met on Family Mm. Ties, and he was. He tells a story like you know. At this point, he was on. He he counts off in one week all the magazine covers that he is on. Right, he he can list about twelve. And so he says he was like absolutely flying at this time. He, he said he never felt he acted like a jerk, but evidently he was being a jerk and she didn't buy into it. She just completely shut him down, disinterested in who he was. And he's like, oh my God, this is amazing. And that's what's kept him, he's felt that's what kept him grounded through his whole career that he, yeah. he could have gone way off. Um, you know, And also, the, I mean, on, you know, she played his girlfriend on Family Ties. Yeah. That, that yes. was the character. So it's like, 
maybe she was like, there's no, this is so, this would be such a cliche. There's no way in hell I'm, I'm doing this. <laughs> like, not a chance. <laughs> Listen, it, it, it works. There's some really nice moments with his family. And he's just mm. like a goofy dad, you know, at, at the end. How of many the con, kids do they have? He's got, they got three kids. Okay. No, it's, yeah. It's three or four. I think they got three okay. adult kids. Anyway, there's kids. I know there's, there's, mm. there's a daughter and then there's a set of twins. Um, okay. I think, there's a, I think there's a fourth. I'm assuming there's grandkids by now? No, I don't think so. His kids don't. Oh, really? No, I don't think so. Okay. Um, I didn't. If, if there if they are, it wasn't made evident in this movie. Also, the mm-hmm. oldest daughter is not. You see her, but she doesn't talk. The two youngest, the, the twins, you see them. And they, they, okay. there's like one really nice scene where, like I say, he's just shown up as this goofy dad, doesn't know how to use technology. And they joke about mm-hmm. the way he replies to them. And he says, he says, he says, you got to understand, I can't reply quickly enough to you because I pick up the phone and I start touching it. Next thing I'm on a, some website in China. He says, well, what am I supposed to do? You know? So yeah, you know, there, there's some really fun moments like that. It is jarring moments. Um, but the mo- the creepiest thing is now, obviously he picks it up. He says when he first noticed the twitch in his hand, it was after a heavy night drinking with Woody Harrelson. And we've told the story before about him and Woody Harrelson mm. drinking Viper blood and they were like notorious oh, God, partners yeah. together, right? So yeah. this was after a day with him and he's like, oh God, what did we do? Like, have I damaged a nerve? Mm. Like, you know, typical, typical, mm. you know, this is mm. what happens when we get together. And um, then obviously goes to the doctor, gets a diagnosis, doesn't tell anybody. And he figures out that what the doctor tells him, look, when your particularly your left hand, that's where it starts. If it's at rest, it's going to start acting up, right? So mm. the f- movie he did after that was the movie The Concierge. Do you remember that movie? No. The Concierge. I'd completely no. forgotten about it. He's a, I don't he's know. A I've concierge. seen it. Okay. You've, see, you've seen it. He had the um, little 1980s uh, curtain uh, hairstyle, the curtain haircut. It's not, I'm not like, it's <laughs> this does called, not help me. Sorry. It's the concierge <laughs> movie. It's called For Love or Money. I'm saying it's called For Love or Money. Okay. It's For not Love the or Money. No, it was released that as a concierge. Sounds so familiar. It's not an 80s movie. It's not an 80s movie. It's 1993. That's why I don't care. Um, okay. Yes. So it was, uh, it was released as the concierge as well. Right. So in that, he's this concierge who's just like the guy in this hotel and he just makes everything happen. Right. And of course, shenanigans. But this is the movie mm. where he, he's got this amazing 1990s curtains haircut. But this is now kind of like trying to manage this. And they do a super cut of all the scenes where he's now always has something in his left hand. Always. He's always just holding. There's another like close-up where he's squeezing his jacket with his left hand. There's a lot of things when you watch him, you're not noticing. But now that you know, it's like, oh my God, he always did something with his left hand. And then, of course, we know in Spin yeah. City, he, um, yeah. it, it started, he was always carrying the briefcase in the left hand. And then they wrote it into the script because he told a few people. So, you know, that he had to like, get an arm injury and then he just came out with it. Um, but it is, it's got everything, but you got to be in the right mood to watch it. It's, it's a tough yeah. watch. I, I'm looking great. at it and I honestly don't think I've watched The Concierge. Like, I don't think I've seen it. I'll so recommend that, hmm. look for a trailer or look for some clips of the movie. You've rec- you'll recognize it. You have what? You've I definitely watched it. You might not I recognize the name. Okay. I don't think so, but okay. Yeah. So that's Michael J. Fox still. I think it's 
so he's like he's saying yeah on two hands he goes we're really close to a cure for parkinson's but i'm not gonna see it and it's like oh <laughs> it's like he's in his, he's in his 60s i mean come on yeah it's, uh, it's terribly cruel that is sad so that is it's a tough watch but i'd recommend putting it on your on your list to watch michael j fox has four kids um okay yes he got four kids then I want to tell you something else that I've been watching, Dory. Come across this. Yes. Actually, maybe you told me about it. Maybe you did. Did, did I? you tell me about a TV show called The Town Called Malice? No. Okay. Fantastic. Right. So <laughs> it wasn't me. <laughs> it's, I found it on Showmax, but it's, it's kind of like on mm. HBO or, 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 or any of those. And okay. it is a Locks Guy Ritchie style London gangster TV series set in the eighties. Okay. So you come across this family called the Lord family and they, these like low level gangsters in London in the eighties and they're, okay. you know, just like petty crimes, selling fur coats. The family yeah. obviously were more notorious gangsters in the day, but they're kind of like, you know, they're old now and they're trying to keep up to, with past glories and then there is a murder or there's an accidental killing, let's rather say. And mm-hmm. the one son who's really not into the whole family gangster stuff, he now has to run away to the Costa del Sol, which I think only existed in the 80s. And <laughs> <laughs> then shenanigans start, right? So it's only showed uh, two episodes locally. There are three episodes out. The names of each episode are named after an 80s song, right? Cool. So episode one is, and uh, Al Capoco did this as well. Episode one is I Want to Know What Love Is. Episode two is Daddy Cool. Three is Two Tribes. Then we go, mm-hmm. let's go all the way. Cruel Summer, I'm Still Standing, Ghost Town and Living on a Prayer. Okay, I love that. Good stuff, yeah. The soundtrack, so- Firstly, the, mm. the look of, of this, right? The one son has the greatest collection of feeler tracksuits and sports gear that I've ever seen. <laughs> okay. He, he has got this okay. feeler jacket that is, if like you could wrap yourself in the 80s, that's what this jacket would be. <laughs> the uh, mansion that they go to in Costa del Sol in the nightclub, so all the stuff in Spain – the house isn't particularly 80s, but it's got 80s touches. There's a really mm. cool bar in the house that's very 80s. The nightclub they go to is the most 80s nightclub, Spanish 80s nightclub that you can imagine. But the soundtrack of this, it's kind of like the songs aren't necessarily weaved into the story. They're just going, let's throw a lot of 80s yeah. songs at this and from all genres. I'm just going to cool. read you the songs featured in episode one. This is just episode okay. one. Okay. Ma Baker, Boney M, which is kind of cusping. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to know what love is, Foreigner. And it's not. It's it's a mix of all music. There's pop, there's ska in there. There's um, I Could Be Happy, Altered Images. There's Going Underground by The Jam. There's I Fought the Law by The Clash. True by Spandau Ballet. There's Video Killed the Radio Star. Relax, Frankie Goes to Hollywood. In Excess with Original Sin, White Wedding, Billy Idol, Sweet Dreams by Eurythmics, 
Disco by Ottawan, Hold the Line by Toto, Sunday Go by Blondie, and A Town Called Malice by The Jam. Episode one. Amazing. I mean, it is a 80s romp. It's got 80s gangsters, South London gangsters. It's got double crossing. It's got dodgy politicians. And it's only in episode two. It is an outstanding discovery. Town called Malice. I will add it to my list. But I'm wondering, why didn't you do that for your TV show recommendation? Why are you telling us outside of that? Like, did you, you didn't want to save it? I got something even better. Oh, you got something even better? Episode, okay. It's only two episodes in. It's only two episodes in. Okay, so maybe so, what I'll do is when there are more episodes, I'll watch it and then I'll maybe talk about it in that slot. Because, okay, we you know, do that. then I can Listen, give my point of view. You also got to go, yeah. is it a tight content week? Do we have a lot to talk about? No. <laughs> well, let's <laughs> let's double up. But come on. I could have done Michael J. Fox's um, documentary. Exactly. Recommendation. Exactly. No, I have a no. viewing recommendation, Dori. I have a viewing recommendation yes. that is so bizarre. I, we've Good. spoken about this story before, but let's go to your movie first. Okay, because I'm glad that you've got something bizarre because I've got something, uh, I don't know how to, how do I describe it? Not bizarre, but okay, let me just tell you the story. So I was like, right, I've been doing too many TV series. I need to find a movie this week. So what I did was an experiment. I thought, let me go onto YouTube and just type 80s movie into YouTube and see what comes up. And of course, all the usual things come up, like those like, you know, typical, the best rom-coms of the 80s, the best horrors yeah. of the 80s, da, 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 all those. But I kept scrolling, Paolo. I scrolled and I scrolled and I scrolled. And eventually I got to the bottom of YouTube and right on the bottom was the movie that I'm going to talk about today, <laughs> which I shouldn't be laughing because it's a serious movie. It's actually... A made-for-TV movie, but it's based on a true story. This was this is a Lifetime movie. You know what a Lifetime movie is, right? Yes, it. I mean, it's Lifetime are the. I think Hallmark has taken their yes shine. Yes, so kind of like that same idea. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's also like so. So the whole thing with Lifetime movies are they were often had a message in them, often geared towards maybe like teenagers, very largely geared towards women, many of them. Um, and yeah, a lot of true stories. And this happens to be one of those true stories. I did not know the story. And I thought, oh, but this movie looks so bad. First of all, it is a very dodgy, dodgy copy on YouTube. There are scenes where you can't see people's features. Like their face is just one big blur because you can't right. actually see if it's that bad quality. But it's absolutely watchable. And also it's like square, you know, like when you make it full screen, yes. it's square. Yes. Right. Yes. So it's that old. But it came out in 1988. So it's not that old, but it's old. So it's not old. It's just low budget. <laughs> because so if it came out that late 80s, they had the technology. So low they, just didn't oh wanna, they just didn't want to spend the money. I mean, really, really like low budget. And I mean, the cost is like I'm, almost so, a no name so, cost. So, yeah. Well, that's it. So, talking about these lifetime movies, right? Is yeah. that they tended to be very topical, but that meant that they had to shoot quickly. 
So their like shooting schedules yeah. were insane because they had like we do well everyone's talking about satanic panic everyone's talking about dungeons and dragons everyone's talking about this new drug we've got to like get in and make this movie quick cheap yeah get it onto tv because we got a schedule to fill so they went they shot like just mad scenes one take wonders it's like great if we have time for two takes that is a luxury they tended to use like you say loads of no here and there you'd get a pocket of somebody who broke through but it was pretty much Mm. accepted that if you got into these types of movies that's your career you've pretty much admitted you do not want to be a star (laughs) i mean i couldn't tell you who the majority of the people are in this movie. Then there was one name that was, oh, that's a familiar name. Let me see what else he's done. His name's John Plachette. And it's like, am I just thinking it's a familiar name because of Suzanne Plachette, who was way, way more famous, who, by the way, is his cousin. But let me tell you what- Suzanne, who is that? I've never heard of Suzanne person. So, oh, really? Okay, so Suzanne Plachette was like a much more famous actress. Let me tell you some of the things. Oh, she was in Alfred Hitchcock's The Birds. She was um, she played Emily Hartley on the Bob Newhart show. Um, okay. She's just she's done a lot. When you see her, when you if you see a picture of her, you'll go, oh, her. You'll know she's very familiar. Right. Um, she's got a familiar face. And so then there's a guy named John Plachette who happens to be her cousin, and he is in this movie. And his other things that he was in, his other claim to fame, is he was on Knott's Landing. Do you remember Knott's Landing? Yes. A very dodgy soap opera type show in the 80s. And he also appeared, now appeared being the key word, as in he had a role in one episode of shows like Kojak, Magnum P.I., Simon and Simon, Murder, She Wrote, MacGyver, Beauty and the Beast, L.A. Law, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. He's in that how guy. many of those? In how many of those was he a corpse? <laughs> well, let's see. Um, <laughs> I know he's he, he, the characters have names, so I'm assuming. Well, I mean that doesn't mean he wasn't a corpse, though. Doesn't mean, doesn't mean he wasn't a corpse. It doesn't mean that he wasn't a corpse. But yeah, but he, there are names on those shows. Yeah, it's not like guy in suit. It's not. It's not like that, you know. But I mean, but I mean, we're talking like we're talking lifetime movies, then one-off appearances on like quite a like a good roster of shows. But next stop is softcore porn on the Playboy Channel. Well, it's funny that you mention that because yeah. the movie Hello. I'm talking about. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> funny that you mention that because the movie I'm talking about is a little film called Shattered Innocence, oh, which sounds. I know. Listen, Dory, before you get into that, I'm looking at some photos of Suzanne Plachette and uh, she's shattering my innocence. I've got to be honest with you, very much mm. a 70s pinup um, from Yo, yeah. 1970. Yeah, she was she was a hottie. I do not recognize her, but okay. um, yeah. But, yeah I, I definitely recognize her. I've definitely seen a bunch of things that she's been in. But um, right. And the names was also familiar. So this movie, Shattered Innocence, which is... Is available on YouTube if you can sit through the dodgy quality. Is it's actually based on a true story about a porn star named Shauna Grant. I don't know if this <laughs> name rings a bell for you. Why would it? Why? What do you think that? I, I'm just asking the question. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> no. So, so she was a porn star in the early '80s. Um, her real name was actually Colleen Applegate. 
And she was a sweet, innocent girl who came from a small town in middle America, and she wanted an extraordinary life. She didn't want to stay in her small town and be bored and work at the at her father's company. You know, that was where she came from. She was like, I think there are better things for me out there. So she went to California to find fame and fortune. And at this point, I'm actually going to read <laughs> read the description on the YouTube video, which is I mean, it's posted by some random YouTube person, but they have right. written the funniest description, which it's actually a bit mean, but so accurate. A young idealistic girl has had it with her boring life and her job at the phone company. She's off to California. Things she has, and then they've got a list. A bad attitude, unrealistic ideas of the glamour of Hollywood, no job skills, no qualifications, a in inverted commas, bad boy boyfriend. You can tell he's a bad boy because um, he asks if he, if he can drive her home. They go on <laughs> dates at well-lit restaurants. He has a steady job in manufacturing. He wears leather gloves. He likes Peter Frampton. He sounds like a damn youth pastor. What is her mom's problem? So I'm going to stop at this point and actually say, in, in the beginning of the movie, she is dating this guy from high school. And he is, like, he's, he's absolutely nothing wrong with him. It's exactly all those things that I've just read. Yeah. But, of course, the mom hates him and thinks he's a bad influence on her daughter. Yeah, but he yeah, really he is a normal dude. He's a normal dude. <laughs> anyway. Um, and, then, and then the description carries on. Things she doesn't have. Job skills, qualifications, money, a clue. This goes exactly where you'd expect. Soon she's doing porn and cocaine. Oh, California, you devil, tempting pure young maidens with your beaches and temperate climates. <laughs> so I I'm read sold. the description before. <laughs> no, exactly. I read the description before I watched the movie and I was like, I don't care how bad this movie is. I'm watching it. <laughs> and I'll tell you, it's not that bad. It is typical. It's typical lifetime made for TV movie, all the things. But I mean, it was actually quite an interesting story, a very sad story. To be fair, mm -hmm. very sad story. This is a true story. But there are scenes that are so funny. I've put a link there for you, Paolo. All Let right. me just give some context before you watch the scene. I only You only need to watch about 10 to 15 seconds. But I'm going to give you some context. So she gets to California. She can't get a job anywhere. But then she sees an ad in the paper. Somewhere's looking for models. She goes to see if she can get the job as a model. And they say to her, listen, they, they were very upfront from the start. They're like, listen, this is nude and semi-nude modeling. That is what this is. She was like, I will do semi-nude. And then, of course, when she goes to the shoot, the photographer's like, but come on, now you can take your top off. Just, 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 just take your top off. Like a, the typical, typical, typical. It all just tumbles down, tumbles down. She meets a girl there at the modeling agency. She moves in with her and this girl is like doing cocaine and she's like, do you want some? And she's like, at first she's like, no, no, I'm a good girl from the Midwest. I don't do cocaine. And then of course, as the movie progresses, that changes. You, you know what? I, you know, you can see where this is all going. It, it, the exactly. modeling, the modeling dries up. Someone says, Hey, have you, have you ever tried doing movies? I've got a movie opportunity for you. It, it, it goes exactly it, like, like the description, exactly where you think it's going to go. And I mean, the reason I suppose it's a cliche is because this, this it's is the true. thing. And I actually read up <laughs> exactly. And I read up about the movie and the, the, the family, her family got a lot of flack for their involvement in making of the movie. So let, let me just, the movie starts in 1980 and, she, and it ends in 1984. And the movie came out in 1988. And the family were very involved in getting the movie made because they wanted it to be done as a warning. 
to other potential young girls who think that this is an easy thing to do to just go off to Hollywood and become famous and rich. Right. And so they kind of were like, we want to warn you. This is what happened to our daughter. We want to warn you. Um, and so typically this is what happens, but the scene I want you to watch, cause it's, I laughed so much. I actually had to stop it and rewind it and watch it over. Her, her flatmate is doing cocaine, but you've seen people do cocaine in the movies, in Miami Vice, in TV shows. Mm-hmm. I have never seen anybody do cocaine like this girl does cocaine because she's using the world's longest straw. Like like you do cocaine with a rolled up banknote or a very short straw. That's how it's done. In the scene, she's using like a proper straw that you would put in your (laughs) Coca-Cola. It's very funny. And then the very next scene, I just want you to see the beginning of it. She's moving into the apartment and of course, it's a waterbed. What else would it be? It's 1981 or 82. Of course, it's a waterbed. So just click... Yeah, oh, no, exactly. This movie is very 80s. I mean, and this is the thing is that it was made in the 80s. So it is very 80s. So have a look at that, at that you, clip that I sent you because it's so funny. Do you know how I know it's 80s? So um, mm. we're going to put this clip up on that 80s show essay Facebook page. Well, I'll so put the first, link to the uh, whole movie. It's in the, it's in the movie. Yeah. Very generous story. Is I am. There is a fantastic lamp in the background, the type of lamp that you could only get in the 80s because, fuck, that is a long straw. <laughs> <laughs> I, mean, I thought that is even extra length straw. <laughs> that is thirty centimeters. So I showed that I showed that scene to my. I, I mean, I showed that scene to my fifteen-year-old who has not, to my knowledge, done cocaine, but has, uh, like most of us, seen it being done in movies. And they said, "Wow, how much snorting power do you need to be able to get the cocaine all the way up that straw?" <laughs> Do you know that's that's the truth? Because surely by the time it's halfway, it's lost its potency. So you oh can, my god, that is a it was so funny. And then there's the that waterbed, and I mean, isn't it just this? This movie has so many '80s things, like proper proper, because it's made in the '80s. It's not set in the '80s. Yeah, so that's a, a great thing about 80s, it, actually. Fantastic '80s. Even the door, the door is authentically '80s. Oh, now, Dory, there's um, a lot of beige. Everywhere. So we, we were always saying that the 80s, early 80s was very brown, but early right. 80s California was very beige. Very beige. Very beige. Mm-hmm. Very beige. Now, Dory, regale me that waterbed, because obviously in the scene that there is, there are two friends, uh, two mm. females, one of them is taking cocaine and there is a waterbed. Should no, I it doesn't go where you forward? think. It, no, no, okay. <laughs> it doesn't go where you think. It's not that kind of porno. It's a movie about pornos. It's not an actual porno. Okay, okay. I'm just checking, just for the sake of just of research. checking, yes. Asking the question research. like you said earlier. You're asking all about the, the research. Like yes. So this movie, Shattered Innocence. So I wouldn't um, say it's a recommendation. I wouldn't say, oh, my God, it's a great movie. You must watch it. But it's hi- it was. Hi- I have to say it was highly entertaining. I, I, I managed to sit the whole way through. I was interested the whole way through. It was good. It's- it's something that you would have watched. You know, Dory, I am scanning just through it. There's a lot of scenes mm. with her in a suitcase. Every time I kind of step <laughs> on a scene, she's opening or closing a suitcase. So it's one of those movies that, you know, in, in South Africa, uh, we had the first kind of cable slash satellite network uh, would have a block which was for free uh, and then the rest mm-hmm. was for subscribers. And normally right. the first 
I think they used to run like the free block from six to seven and then they went from five to seven. And the first mm. block of paid subscription was at seven o'clock. And sometimes yes. they wouldn't switch it back over. So you, people would be yes. able to watch it. But so exciting. Tended, oh, so exciting. They tended to show like low budget stuff then because they go, look, we're going to tempt people. Because obviously it was, a, it was a ploy, right? It's a marketing ploy. Yes, show of course. people it was what they purpose. could be watching. Yeah, show what they could be watching. But they tended to sh- put like really low budget crap. But because it was like an extra 30 minutes of something free, you'd watch it. Oh my God, this, mm. this is amazing. This, is, this seems like something that was there. And it seems like something everyone would have watched, but instantly forgotten. Like I, I'm <laughs> telling you I've watched this movie, but just instantly. <laughs> Possibly. Possibly. <laughs> done, gone. It just blurred into 1980s beigeness. And I think that's... Yep. I, Beige I'd put is that, definitely the theme. Yeah. I'd put that on the poster. A movie that blurred into 1980s beigeness. <laughs> I was, the poster's I mean, nuts, by the way. The poster really? for it is like very dramatic. Very dramatic poster. Very, yeah. Is this is does the straw get a credit? In the, in <laughs> it should. It's one of the largest characters in the movie. It should get a credit. I mean, the the suction power, like even if you had to try drink something with that straw, you would pass out halfway through. Like don't try that straw with long COVID. You just do not have the lung capacity. But here's the funniest part. It's not the only scene where people are doing cocaine in the movie, but in the other scenes, they're all using small straws. So what the hell was with that scene? I mean, cut the straw. (laughs) <laughs> you have a straw. It's not like you are sand straw. Because I was thinking, I mean, you have enough money to buy cocaine in the 80s, right? Maybe you don't have a straw. But you've got a straw. You could have three I don't think the point of this movie was for us to debate the length of the straw. And yet, that is what has happened. So sorry oh. to this poor girl's family who wanted this movie to have a whole different kind of impact. <laughs> <laughs> so sorry. That had a completely different <laughs> message. We're like, that is a – but you see – this is why you'll sometimes watch a movie, right? And they tell you yeah. about the like Pixar movies. No, no, no. We had to get the hair moving. Apparently, like the new uh, Little Mermaid, right? It's the first yeah. time Pixar have actually been able to get hair underwater, yeah. right? Right. So well, that's, that's what I've heard is amazing about the movie. That specifically, okay. the people right. I know who've watched this movie have said, "You must see how amazing the hair is underwater." That's what they've said. Those were their words. <laughs> Like, honestly, who knows what your hair looks like? I know it's certainly not me. But I mean, okay, but it's one of those those painstaking things that people do. <laughs> For our listeners who don't know, Paolo has no hair. Sorry, just had to I, explain. I, I have I have no hair. Um, I lost it in an unfortunate um, trying to be – I was trying to get a George Michael hairstyle and it just mm-hmm. ended in, in fire and a restraining order for me. So the thing is, yes. it's that level of detail, right, that yeah. nobody notices – Unless you get it wrong. That's why they're so painstaking. Right. People have cocaine in a store, but it's that level, that minutia. They just take you out the moment. And I go, I'm not worried. It's like, these are too young. They obviously have a problem. They're using drugs. They shouldn't be using drugs. Oh, straw's too big. (laughs) But what the hell? That straw. Exactly. Exactly. How is that? I'm going to go to the credits. I'm going to find the straw must be in there. Straw McStrawsville um, is the star of this movie. (laughs) Anyway, this is a serious movie, Paolo, with a serious message, and it's very sad, and that's all I have to say about that. Yes. Okay. 
Um, well done. Thank you. Thank you for bringing that to the table. That is shattered innocence um, with a big straw. <laughs> Probably shattered the innocence with the straw. It's a huge fucking straw. Took a, okay. God. Yeah. I want to tell you about a movie. We've definitely spoken about this story before. I've had this movie on my list. Uh-huh. I, okay. So last week, we two weeks ago, we spoke about Sylvester Stallone and Dolly Parton in a movie called Rhinestone. So you have yes. Sylvester Stallone as a cowboy, effectively, right? Right. Then last week, we spoke about John Travolta wanted to be in Big. He wanted to take Tom Hanks's, you know, he wanted the role. Yeah. At the Tom yeah. Hanks events, you got in Big, right? So did you hear what I dropped? Did you hear I dropped? Is that your big? marbles? It's, it felt like it sounded like you're losing your marbles. It was the straw. I dropped the straw <laughs> from the movie. <laughs> Was it was was it the last straw? It was the la- It was the only straw. That is the the, the last straw. So <laughs> I really should I really should get a different floor when I'm recording. But anyway, right. So right. I could, okay, you got Sylvester Stallone as a cowboy. Then you got John Travolta in Big. Imagine a world where John Travolta is a cowboy, and he's big. Maybe. Okay. Okay. Have have you ever watched a movie, a John Travolta movie from 1980, Cusping? So John Travolta is a massive star. Massive star at this point. Right. Yeah. Can do no wrong. A movie called Urban Cowboy. I I think I've heard of it, but I don't think I've watched it. Right. So what was happening in America at this time in culture is that this concept – of the urban cowboy, right, came into mm-hmm. the zeitgeist. There was a magazine article that tracked this concept of cowboys, but in the city. And there were sunny honky-tonk bars opening up, and it wasn't odd to see in the middle of New York City a cowboy, someone dressed as a cowboy and not from the village people, right? Right, so, Okay. Hollywood going was an Esquire magazine story. So Hollywood decides, we're going to make a movie about this. We're going to use today's biggest star and to make a movie called Urban Cowboy. So John Travolta is Urban Cowboy with the worst. <laughs> now, now think about John Travolta, how he spoke in uh, Saturday Night Fever, right? We got it. Typical New York. Right. Italian American type. That's how he spoke. Welcome back, Carter. That's how he spoke, right? That's the TV show he's in, right? I think Welcome Back, Carter. Yeah. So I don't know. That's how he spoke. I'm trusting you. I listen. I don't know who Michael J. Fox was married to, so I wouldn't. But um, exactly, despite, despite watching the show, the movie. Anyway, so Urban Cowboy, John Travolta with the worst Midwestern accent, like you can ever imagine. Imagine, you know, when they deep fake stuff. And yeah. imagine that, but f- worse. That's it's it's a terrible accent, right? Do, so, do we hear it in the trailer? Because I'll watch the trailer as soon as in possible. In the trailer, is going up okay. that eighty show SA Facebook page. So he Yay. plays a guy called Buford Bud Davis. He's from Texas, and Ooh, that's uh, a name Buford Bud Davis, and he moves to take a job at an oil refinery. 
Um, but of course, he's got to go out at night and he s- spends his time hanging out at a bar called Gillies. Okay. Meets a girl, right. they fall in love. It's love at first sight. Uh, they get together, they get married, they go live in his trailer home. Uh, but then things, <laughs> they just okay. stop quarreling. Okay. They just stop mm. quarreling. Okay. Now, mm. it's a mess of a movie, right? At this point. So it's kind of like boy meets girl, boy falls in love with girl. And then domestication. And they go, oh, I hate movies about domestication because like that's life. Like yeah. why must I watch a movie that's like with people's trials and tribulations in their life? Who, who I, plays the girl, by the way? Deborah Winger. Like a, oh, okay. Yeah, De- Deborah Winger. So, oh. you know, pretty good, okay. pretty good couple. <laughs> okay. But it's not silly enough at this point. So right. Deborah Winger so badly wants to ride the mechanical bull at the bar <gasps> called Gillies. <laughs> oh my God, I know this. And John I Travolta know this. Okay. This is, no oh, wife of mine yeah. is riding the mechanical bull. <laughs> okay. It's such uh, a challenge. Familiar. It oh. ruins their marriage. It ruins their marriage. Oh but my they God. just start arguing. Well, Paolo, no, Paolo, because it's not about the mechanical bull. That's why it ruins their marriage. It's a, it's the, the, the bull is just a mere symbol of the problem in their relationship. Uh, well, I think the problem in the relationship is that she goes back to the bar and gets <laughs> mechanical bull lessons from another guy, Bob, who was a former rodeo champion. I think who plays her Bob? wanting to have sex with Bob is uh, not a guy called Scott Glenn. Uh, uh, but he's, he's a guy you've seen. I know him. Scott Glenn. Uh, I know exactly. Scott Glenn, yes. Mm-hmm. I can't. He's one of those. So they they now start falling in love. John Travolta's oh. character goes, "Fuck you! I'm going to fall in love with somebody else at Gillies." Okay, some patron. Another oh, girl goes to Gillies, who happens to be the daughter of a rich oilsman. Okay, so she's su- she's super rich, but she's hanging out in a dive bar. God knows what's going on, and they fight. <laughs> And that's it. And it all ends in this culmination of going, we're going to have this mechanical bull riding contest. And the winner gets $5,000. And, and the girl. They, and the girl. But then <laughs> they get, no. it's, a, it's at this point, <laughs> at this point, I'm like, what have you done here? This whole thing is around riding mechanical bulls with not a hint of humor. It's like, like nobody like realizes. Serious, it's serious. No, they take it very seriously. Bonnie rates in this movie as well, playing herself. They take it very seriously, the whole thing. And you're going, what? <laughs> it sounds going? horrible. It sounds what really is? horrible. But I think I might have seen it because as soon as you said yeah. mechanical bull, I had this weird flash of memory. Yeah. So I think I might have seen it. You've seen it. John Travolta, fresh out of Saturday Night Fever, as a cowboy. Now, there was a whole article, like I said, there was a whole this trend in urban cowboys. And you go, mm. why did urban cowboys just not become a thing? Firstly, because it's lame. Secondly, because exactly. this movie probably killed the whole thing. If people went, ooh. Like, you know, this, you remember like in the 2000s when Coyote Ugly kind of bought cowboy stuff back in? Do you remember that? 
Do you remember yes. that brief little oh, period in the early 2000s? Was a terrible movie. Yeah. But I remember going in my student days to like Coyote Ugly Bars, right? Every bar you went to suddenly had a Coyote Ugly type vibe. People were dressing as cowboys, a cowboy, it was yeah. cowboy chic. There was, the waitresses were dancing on tables on, on the bar counter. Every now and again, every generation, try to bring back cowboys <laughs> and it doesn't work. And, I mean, um, for me, cowboys are eternal. You know, I, I love me a good old-fashioned Western. I really do. Do you? I kind of – no, I kind of like – I mean, like the original season of Westworld where it was set in, you know, that when whole – When it was good, yeah. Western town. I, yeah, when it was good, exactly. I kind of like that, but don't okay. try and bring it back. Eh, leave it, leave it where it is. Yeah. Okay, well, this movie, leave it where it is. I am pretty sure we <laughs> it sounds do terrible. <laughs> John Travolta <sighs> using all the powers available to him is probably plotting a remake of this movie. He goes, you know what? Oh my god! I wasn't no. able to tell my story. Now I'm John Travolta. No. I can make things happen. No. We're doing Urban Cowboy Dos, and it's going to be. <laughs> we we both brought. Head. Really dodgy movies this week, like really dodgy. But I think that there's probably something, something redeemable in each of them. You know, the, the, give them a try. It definitely is. Well, look, up till mm. now, we've given you four options of things to watch: Michael J. Fox, exactly. Town Called Malice, Shattered Innocence, or Urban Cowboy. So you can't say that we've not spoiled you for choice. Okay, exactly. We've spoiled. You I'm for going with a town called Malice, and at some point, I will prepare myself to watch Still. But I have you, to you, prepare emotionally. You know what's a good palate cleanser? I think mm -hmm. watch, if you don't have the appetite to watch Michael J. Fox still right through, I think yeah. go 30 minutes still, an episode of A Town Called Malice. Another 30 minutes still, episode of A Town Called Malice. I think that's going to give you a nice kind of your deal with it. I think okay. that's a good recommendation. Then – on that final day that's coming soon when the whole world ends and you have to watch, you're going to watch one final thing, watch Shattered Innocence because then the world will explode <laughs> and you'll have no memory of watching it. And then when you're floating around in space as a little particle, watch Urban hmm. Cowboy. And then <laughs> that's how you're doing it. Um, Dory, we're going to wrap it. Listen, lots of loose ends you've got to wrap up. Finally, there's been a definitive yeah. answer because also what's a lot out there, there's a lot of... of Arnold Schwarzenegger content on Netflix. A lot. Right? There's a lot, hey? There's like a documentary and mm -hmm. then there's a series with him in. And mm -hmm. I know every time I put Netflix on, there is Arnie flexing his muscles in my face. There it is, right? So, yeah. right. There is the documentary of his mm. life story. There is a TV show called Fubar, which yeah. is. I haven't tried it. It is, I've got to tell you, it's not set in yeah. the 80s. It's not, it is 80s in spirit. It, okay. In, it 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 brought to me the most ridiculous. It's very eighties, like Magnum slash A Team feeling. It's got that okay. weird action, like we're action, but we also realize we're fun. That the A Team had. Okay. There was a there was a couple of scenes where I was like, oh my god, this feels like the A Team. So it, is it good? That, is it worth watching? It's so silly. It is so Because silly. Netflix gives me like a 99% match on it. And I'm like, 
All right, I'll silly. get to it, maybe. <laughs> it is contrived, it is predictable, it is hammed up to shit. I reckon, yeah, you see, I reckon I got the match. I reckon I got the match because of that Rob Lowe series that we watched, Unstable. Oh. That's and probably why I got this match. Yeah. The Breakfast Club is on Netflix. So it's really, it's gonna, it's gonna, and I'll tell you what, two things Breakfast Clubs on Netflix. My wife goes, you know, I've never what? actually watched the Netflix, uh, the, the Breakfast Club. She says, I've seen it, but I've never watched it in one go. So she watched mm. it. They've redone the sound. So there are parts where the sound's just so off. Cause you know, in the 80s, you had that terrible sound on everything. Yeah. Um, they've redone the sound, and there are parts where. It, Okay. Yeah, the sound so, so now I know that Netflix does not know me like it claims to know me because I did not know that The Breakfast Club was on Netflix. Netflix did not tell me. It does not know, know me it, at all. It, it at should all. have found you because if it goes, you like Rob Lowe, you like Schwarzenegger, but then you're definitely going to like Breakfast Club. I mean, also anything that's ever been anything 80s on Netflix, which there's not a lot of, not a uh, lot. hint, hint, not a lot. I've watched. We see. Okay. I'm so disappointed. You'd be disappointed no longer because Sylvester Stallone this week said, Mm. definitive, Yeah, I admit that Arnold Schwarzenegger was the better action guy in the 80s. Sylvester Stallone admitted this. They're friends now. They were painted as rivals. He says they were rivals. He says there was a period where if – he found out Arnold Schwarzenegger was up for a movie. He wanted it more than anything. He didn't care if it fitted yeah. him. He didn't care. He just wanted it because that's how they were pitched at the time. They're friends now. But he says, why he has a better action icon is he says that my characters, the Sylvester Stallone, were, were not overly gifted. We're fighters. We're scrappy. We've usually got beaten up a lot, right? We weren't yeah. the best. <laughs> we like fought through it. He says, where well, Arnold Schwarzenegger's characters are always just bulletproof. He's like, Arnold Schwarzenegger will go fight a dragon and come out with a Band-Aid. Where my guys, like, had eyes knocked out. Like, we just really got beaten up. So in terms of characters and as an action star, he was Mr. Action. You cannot hurt me. Where I was a little bit different. I was going to get beaten up and I was going to get through it. So Sylvester Sloan says, Arnie can have it. Okay, I'm arguing. I'm going to argue because if you had to say moves. to me, yeah. <laughs> Maybe, maybe. I'm going to argue because if you were to say to me, it's Friday night, here's the popcorn, you can either watch The Terminator or Cobra, I'm going with Cobra. Oh, my God. That is such a tough choice. Jesus, what have you done here? I mean. (laughs) But come on. I'm a huge fan of anything from canon. I love the fact that Cobra was made as a response to (laughs) Sylvester Stallone's rewrites of Beverly Hills Cop. So I love all that. Mm. Mm. Oh, the original Terminator. Brigitte Nielsen on a motorbike. No, but mm. the original Terminator and Schwarzenegger's a bad guy. Well, kind of yeah. a bad guy. Starts as a bad guy. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that is a t- that is that is a that is a Sophie's choice. That is really <laughs> a Sophie's choice. Well, I have chosen. I choose Sly. <laughs> you know what? In gut says to me, do do Terminator. Gut says to me, Terminator. Okay. Mm. Ah, see, that, mm. This is a fantastic conversations we have on that 80s show. No way relevant to anything in today's <laughs> But one quick thing, one quick yes. thing. I noticed Smooth Operator trending. I noticed it's coming really? back on and suggested on, on the streaming charts. It's back. I was like, well, mm-hmm. Sade, has she died? No, Sade's still oh, alive. God. Why is Smooth Operator trending? TikTok, Dory. There's a TikTok thing. 
It's called Sade, but ma- have you seen it? Sade, no, but make it no. House. I'm saying, I'm saying, I'm saying TikTok brings old songs back. Does so. Sade is the latest '80s person had her song brought back by TikTok. It's a trend called Sade, but make it house, and it is smooth operator, but remixed with a house beat. I don't know why it's trending. It's not a. It's not terrible. They've actually done it really well. But all it made me want to do is listen to the original Smooth Operator, which most people did because mm. the songs like super stream. People are really into it. We're going to finish off the show today on mm. the live stream with it. Um, wow. And that's that like probably the closest you've ever come to playing a ballad. So well done. Definitely. Definitely. I mean, you know, I'm all, I kind of ca- categorize the songs we play on this stock Aitken Waterman 4x4. Uh, four to the floor kind of beat structure. <laughs> Anything kind yeah. of in that range gets played. So Sade is very smooth, but I'm I'm feeling I'm feeling I don't know feeling smooth today. You know, oh. smooth. So are you touching your head? I, I'm not. I'm I'm. Oh, I, 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 didn't, <laughs> I don't I don't keep my hair as short in winter. It's cold to do it. I'm mm. like twisting my shoulders around. I'm, that's what I'm doing. I don't know if that means smooth okay. or watch me. <laughs> Don't let me around schools, but that's what I'm doing. <laughs> wow. <laughs> cool. I'll check out the, the Sade, but make it house trend. You're going to find it on I'll check it out. Find it on that 80 Show SA Facebook page. You don't even have to check it out. I'm, we curate. We curate because mm. that's a word all the marketing people use. We curate all the 80s information. Somebody said to me the other day, where do you find the content for that 80 Show? And I said, I lie. Most of it is made up. <laughs> And the stuff and not made up, that. we put proof. <laughs> we put proof on that Eddie Show essay Facebook page. Uh, Dory, a lot of movie chat this week. I thought we were yes. going to have time for Wham Corner. I know the Wham documentary is mm. coming out soon. We count down mm-hmm. the days. Still no Andrew Ridgely. Still no Andrew Ridgely up in my DMs. Um, mm. But that's okay. We'll get there. That Eddie Show essay Facebook page. Thanks for joining me, Dory. Okay. Bye-bye.